0: Body Conversations, Podcast 8, the most important app if you eat. I've decided to really go into some depth about the 80 Bytes app because I recognize that people are so confused that they're not even sure what a bite is and how that differs from a chew. It's beyond my comprehension, but when you've been focused only on good food, bad food, and needing a PhD in nutrition to eat a sandwich and drink a beverage and finish with uh, some sweet, and that last part is very important, and you don't know that, and you've been suckered into believing you need to know about macros and micros and glutens and ketos and whatever, all of this language, of course, carbs and calories and on and on and on. Of course, I don't really relate to it because I come from a time when no one even knew those words. Um, Today, the words they should know are cortisol, insulin, leptin, and ghrelin, and I say know them in that they recognize those names, but that's about it because it's far too complicated for anyone to really understand why hormones are what's causing this obesity epidemic. And so, and I wanna liken this to global warming, which strangely will be the solution to our obesity epidemic, most people could not explain in detail why this is happening and what should be done. They have to really accept, unless they're scientists, which is a tiny, tiny number obviously, so 8 billion of us just have to say, okay, this is what the scientists say. I don't really understand it. I don't have degrees in all the areas that would enable me to comprehend this, just like you couldn't really understand the theory of relativity unless you understood physics. So you have to just sort of take this and accept that, frankly, um, some things are beyond understanding. And that, of course, applies to hormones. It's probably why the medical community and all these people with PhDs in nutrition have avoided the subject, though some of them, I think, didn't even really know what role this plays. But they have avoided it because, I'm not even sure they totally understand, and even if they did understand, what does it mean in terms of some patent formula, Let's just calories in, calories out, and eat healthy, Exercise more, torch those calories. All these cute sayings that people have followed, not just followed, but spend so much time and money and energy. So let's just forget it all for a few minutes and and go back to just what people did before they knew any of this. Of course, I'd love to do something um, and uh, tell a story and it would be something like this which was, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, in the 60s, we all counted calories. We counted the calorie of every single thing we ate. And um, then we gave that up because so many foods came in uh, that we had never heard about. and We didn't know what the calories were for calamari or brie cheese or uh, enchilada or whatever it was, pasta. And so since there weren't apps, obviously, and there weren't uh, really Xeroxed pages, you had a mimeograph where you could carry a little book, right? We had all these new foods, and we didn't have calorie counts for them, so we just gave up. Now, of course, that's just not true, but it sounds good. It's a funny story that we were all counting calories, and therefore, we were not fat. But the truth is, no, that was not what it because we didn't know about cowries, we'd never seen one, no one still has seen one. What it was was people had really insufficient food to eat. Um we had the depression, and of course 25% of the population was unemployed, and there were shortages and people couldn't afford things. Then we went into World War II and we had rationing. And all the while, and it's hard to understand this, maybe you can understand it if you recently had the flu and you couldn't eat for two weeks, you were so sick. Or maybe years ago when braces on your teeth were so painful that you couldn't eat and that went on for years. You might understand this, but how can anyone understand it today when food is everywhere and people eat all the time and you can't even get together, even for a student-teacher meeting or a parent-teacher conference or whatever it is without eating drinking. In New York, you go into a store, a fancy store that sells overpriced clothes, and they hand you a container of water, right? Because you have to put something in your mouth. Anyway, so let's try to remember that, no, we weren't counting calories, and then we stopped, and then we got fat. No. What happened was, of course, people ate a very limited, simple diet, and it went on a small plate a nine inch plate not a 14 inch and they recognized all the foods and they knew the quantities and every plate had you know three items on it you know we woke up in the morning and we had coffee and some bread thing Um, you were breaking a fast which you never do with some huge meal now we have people making Actually, I recently read an article about a guide saying that he eats this breakfast every single day and everyone should do it, starting off with some bowl of oatmeal with fruit and some kind of green smoothie and kale something and egg white omelet. I mean, so many foods you can't even imagine it. But the big thing is it never occurs to this person writing this and eating it every single day that it's way too much food, it's unnecessary, and you don't break a fast with a big meal. And you certainly wouldn't do it every single day. So anyway... I think I've mentioned this, I'm not sure, but there was a movement called Fletcherizing only for very wealthy people like the Rockefellers and Vanderbilt's, I believe it was in the 30s, and it was focused on chewing. So, what is a bite? A bite is the amount of food you put in your mouth, whether you deliver it with your hands, such as holding a piece of bread, or you use a fork, or a spoon or chopsticks it's what you put in your mouth it's the quantity it's the volume then you chew that of course we don't chew food today it's actually made so you don't need to chew it but the idea is to chew it anyway and to chew it at least seven times for everything and even with liquids such as soup or a smoothie you want to look at it and think Hey, how long can it move around in my mouth? Not in an artificial way, but just so that you understand that you're not going to be continuously just dropping food into your stomach container. This brings me to a way to uh, fix obesity, and I'm still flabbergasted uh, at what uh, happened with uh, this particular gadget. It must have been five or six years ago, BuzzFeed. Uh, ran an article called The End of Obesity. Well, certainly everybody wanted to read it, even though it was extraordinarily long. I mean, it could have been like 20,000 or more words. It was never picked up by the media. I tried to contact the author. Anyway, it was about uh, a group of bariatric surgeons in Michigan where they have a lot of fat people. Of course, there are a lot of fat people now everywhere. And they had developed a device that would not go... Surgically into your stomach bariatric surgery, which is what they did and which, Which is probably at this point what 25% of all Americans need I think about one or two percent have it um, and they, this was something you would swallow and it would go into your esophagus and apparently that would limit your intake now There's no way to find out more. You can't find out uh, looking at the website of these doctors. The article's author never responds to inquiries. Maybe some other people can find out, but obviously people are working on things. This is something that probably could have been implanted at the dentist or maybe even in you know a drugstore. Like we get now flu shots I, this is something that I um, I said should happen 25 years ago. I don't know how long it's been going. Um, the other thing that should be done in a drugstore or Walmart or anywhere is a, a strep test because so many sore throats are really undetected as strep. And that would be easy to do a swab. But all of these things, of course, are all slowed down by fear and bureaucracy and all these box tickers and duct tapers trying to hold on to work as it disappears with AI and robotics and all the things that are in our future. And what that means, no one really knows at this point other than it's gonna shake everything up. So um, let's get back to this. This app is called 80 Bytes. Uh, It's 99 cents and whether you use it for a day or a few days or even only for a few meals. What you're gonna find out is how much quantity are you putting into your mouth? And it's most important, the first information is at one seated meal. We're saying seated, hopefully, though I just was watching people standing on the subway um, eating pizza. And um, I still can remember a woman walking down Fifth Avenue, Lower Fifth Avenue a few years ago, holding chopsticks and eating sushi. That was quite a balancing act. But of course, what you see in New York is people eating anywhere, particularly in the subway, which is, you know, there are rats down there. People pee down. I mean, it's disgusting and doesn't stop anyone from having a Caesar salad, right? And of course, most of the time they're eating and they don't have a beverage, which in the 80 bites system is a complete no-no. Speaking of what I said before about ending the meal, the feeding, the eating event with a sweet, brings me to somebody who works for the New York Times, and you've probably read her columns, Tara Parker Pope. She's head of wellness for the New York Times. She's most famous for writing an article that was in the New York Times magazine section, I think it was four or five years ago, about how dieting has been such a failure and why people diet and either quit after a few weeks or even if they continue and lose some weight, they regain it. And she, at that point, she's head of wellness for the New York Times, admitted to being 60 pounds overweight. Now, I don't know where she got that number. If she used the BMI, of course, that really means that she's 80 pounds because that's grading on a curve. Uh, obviously, no woman who's five foot six inches should weigh 185 and be classified as overweight, not obese, I mean, close to obese. But anyway, obviously a woman who's five foot six who weighs 160 is obese. So it's grading on a curve. That's what the Center for Disease Control does. And then they contradict their own stats when they published the diabetes and pre-diabetes stats, proving of course that we are at 50% obesity and 20% moving there. Anyway, the reason I bring up Tara Parker Pope, and of course the illustrious New York Times, is that they started January 1 a sugar challenge to avoid sugar. Can you imagine this is a woman who has a weight problem, a serious weight problem, and she's leading this. So the first thing she publishes is that she's given up dessert. Well, that tells me why she's fat. I mean, giving up dessert is a direct line to getting fat because dessert is meant to signal the end of the eating event. And of course, I've been with people, I can remember one incident a few years ago of four people sitting at a really fancy restaurant in New York, very expensive, and one of these places where they give you petit fours, supposedly for free, that's after you've paid a lot of money anyway, but it's worth it, because the food is great. And these people had had a completely manipulated meal. I was at the uh, next table, because so I could watch them, you know, where they had everything that could be considered low calorie. And they were choosing foods in this French restaurant that were the lowest in calorie, and all four of them looked at six little petit fours, and, I mean, one bite. I mean, it's really half a bite, most of them, and they stared at them as if they were staring at heroin or something. That's how bad it was. Of course, I wanted to reach over and grab them because I was with someone and we only got two, and um, we ate them and we felt like, wow, wish wish we could each have another one. So, and these people, of course, were so proud of themselves. Yeah, you know, it shows how little taste palate. I don't know why they were going to such an expensive restaurant other than status, obviously, because they obviously didn't have a palate. They didn't understand how you sequence a meal. All of this, of course, comes to people now who've been inundated with wellness and nutrition and veganism and good food and bad food and all of this stuff, and it just seems so heretical. I mean, no one's ever said this. Everyone supposedly is trying to be good. And in fact, of course, all they're doing is binging and purging and coming uh, to a place where they they feel so discouraged about their bodies. And then we have to have people... Recently, there was this... Uh, singer Lizzo. I don't really know her very well, L-I-Z-Z-O. And um, she is obese, and of course it's even worse for um, African-Americans who have a much greater likelihood of diabetes, so do Hispanics and Native Americans. We'll just look at Native Americans at this point. And um, so, you know, you you look at their situation and um, if they are obese, the chances are very high they will get diabetes probably almost completely sure that they will. So she's talking about how she loves her body and then Jillian Michaels starts to, uh, I guess, tweet or respond or whatever, and then this huge hullabaloo follows as to Jillian Michaels saying, why should she celebrate her body when she'll end up with diabetes and the, everybody else talking about body positivity and. It's just devolving into one of these silly conversations when um, body positivity is, I guess it's just some sort of um, movement to make people who are perfectly accepted because they are the majority, they're fat, no one's coming up and saying to them, you fat slob, because no one would, because everybody they see or talk to is fat just like them and wanting people to absolve them of their gluttony, right? Because they certainly aren't being shamed. Tiny minority cannot shame a huge, sorry for the pun, majority, but they want more. They want a lot more, and what they really want is that they're gonna be able to get disability, and the tiny minority will have to pay for this. That's what the Obesity Society is all about, which is their lobbying group in Washington, trying everyone to believe that if you're obese, it's not your fault at all. It's that you are um, you have a disease, right? That's what it is. That's what everyone's trying to prove. They, it's hard for them to make the case, but they're doing it because people are so easily conned. I mean, when you look back at the people Uh, you know, during, let's say, a, a major event like John F. Kennedy's assassination and you look at the people on the streets of Dallas or Washington or whatever, you see thin people. You see normal sized people. And then you look at Ted Kennedy in 2008 and you don't. You see, you know, bulked up, overweight, obese bodies. And so it's really hard to understand that there wasn't some virus that happened. And after 1963, um, 70% of the population got this virus and that made those people size up. Now, it's true that people are taking a lot of medications, antidepressants for sure, certain cancer ones, which make it easy to gain weight. They gain weight too easily. But, um, you know, that, still doesn't account for where we are. What accounts for it more is that women who had been dieting and dieting and dieting felt like once they got pregnant, they could just eat, eat, eat eat for two, eat for three, eat for whatever. And they gained a huge amount of weight. So they were gaining not 24 pounds, as I mentioned, that's what I was told when I started 114, or maybe less 112, I guess. But anyway, whatever it was, they gained 40, 50, 60 pounds. And then the, their child was born with more fat cells. And that child then is born in a, in a slightly damaged state, where doesn't mean that child has to become obese, but you have more fat cells. And unless you liposuction them out, they're gonna stay there, right? And so we've grown this problem. We've made this problem. We've also made it by using hormones to make more food, which we didn't need. And those hormones affect our hormones. And so it's a vicious cycle that's all self-created. And one of the things that we see is that um, this is all Uh, exacerbating global warming I mean obviously you know that if you're going to move obese people in any kind of vehicle it's going to require more gasoline Um, but just the um, overproduction of food of course and the transport of the food and all of that um, there's so many ways in which it's exacerbating global warming so The most important thing now for people, because we have to fix this, and it can be fixed, and it'll be fixed easily once there are food shortages, right? But people have got to recognize how much quantity. And in doing so, the best way to fix your individual problem is to rid your brain of all of these shoulds and should nots and all of this stuff about, oh, don't eat after six, and... you're you're sleeping and this and that, just get rid of all of it. Try as much as possible to forget you ever heard all of these stupid suggestions about what you should do and just focus on how much are you eating. Particularly, how much can you eat at one seated event? I mean, for example, I am in places which I call wellness pitch places, where they serve healthy food. And I watch women who are less than half my age eating 50, 60 bites of some sort of vegetable plate or salad or whatever, and they don't feel looking at them at all stressed by swallowing. They're not chewing, actually. Swallowing the quantity. It doesn't hurt them. Whereas I at 25 bites feeling discomfort because I, my body is never overeaten. So if I try to overeat, I feel it. And I don't like that feeling and I'm not trying to gain weight. And if I did, I wouldn't eat more quantity. I simply have more calorically dense food like avocado, right? And, um, but I'm not trying to gain weight. I'm not trying to lose weight. So I eat and I end my eating, right? Now I could keep pushing my stomach, right? I could keep stretching it. And am I actually stretching the container? Well, definitely you are if you're obese because when they do bariatric surgery, they remove stomachs and some of them are twice as big as the stomach you should have, which is six inches long. But for some people, it's not even that. They desensitized it so they can keep piling the food in. Anyway, when you have this 80 bytes app, you're gonna find out how much you can eat at one meal, one feeding. You're gonna see how much you eat over the course of a day. You're gonna see how often, right? You can track how often. And you're gonna see how fast because it's going to tell you as you tap it to slow down, right? Nobody's taking it away from you. There's plenty more. So, try to imagine if you were living in China during all these various periods where they had famines. 30 million people died, I think it was in the 20s, from insufficient foods. They were starving, right? How you would take as much as you could, but you would eat it as slowly as you could so that you would make it last, right? Of course, now we don't do this because we're served, a typical plate has 50 bites on it. I mean, and that's what's served, right? Um, I'd buy a muffin at Whole Foods and it's, I cut it in half and I eat half because the entire muffin is too much. I'm gonna check the bites the next time, I just automatically know by, and everyone should be able to eyeball anything which is what people did before we knew calories. We eyeballed the food and thought, hmm, that's too much. We didn't count the bites because on the plate were the correct number of bites. That's what fit on the plate. There were three items, right? We didn't think that you would just eat one item because it was healthy. We paired foods. We had foods that buffered one another. All of these things nobody today knows about, has heard about, This is what we call normal eating. But I guess at this point it's, shall I say, elevated eating. I don't know what to say because it's, it's like someone not knowing which fork to use. That's how people eat today. They don't have any understanding of what having a meal selecting things for the meal. How you eat that meal should be. It's it's not even in their frame of reference, yet they know all kinds of things about macros. So I'm gonna say this again and again in different ways. You have to start concentrating on quantity and frequency and chewing. And then all of that crazy information is gonna seem ridiculous and you will drop it and you'll feel so much lighter immediately so that's it for today